I woke up one morning on a bench at my high school, and I had no idea why I was there or how I got there. I had a pretty good view of the parking lot, and I could see my car was not in the parking lot. And as my brain scrambled to try to figure out what got me there, I realized I probably had bigger problems than working that out uh, uh, to, to, to start with. I, now, to be clear, like I, don't, I didn't use drugs or drink or anything like that. So all the explanations you guys are coming up with right now, those weren't the case, OK? But I had bigger problems. I, had to, I, I was cold. I was soaked from uh, morning dew being all over me. And I was, I was scared. So I needed to take care of the situation. I managed to find a quarter. And uh, we didn't have cell phones, because I'm old. And uh, so I went over to a payphone. And now I had a choice. Who do I call at this moment? Now, I definitely could call my parents. And they would have helped, right? But I also felt like my parents might have some questions that I didn't have answers for just yet. And so I actually opted to call my best friend, Steve. By some divine intervention, he answered the phone at 5 a.m. is when I called him. 5 a.m., my best friend answers the phone. I tell him exactly what I just told you just now. And at the end of my panicked little rant, he says to me, hold tight, I'm on my way. And he hung up. Within 10 minutes, Steve shows up, I get in the car, I buy him like a breakfast sandwich at McDonald's, and everything is fine, everything worked out okay. That phrase, hold tight, I'm on my way. It's a colloquialism that we use quite a lot. You've probably said it yourself, you've almost certainly heard it yourself, and it always comes on a bad day. Hold tight, I'm coming is the sort of thing you hear when someone is dangling off a cliff and hanging on to a, a you know, stick, or when they're sinking down into quicksand, or much more mundane bad days. You give your friend a call and you've just broken up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and they hear that you're upset and they say, hold tight, I'm on my way. Things are bad, but you have a connection and help is coming. It's weird when we have these kind of English colloquialisms, these things that we still say, and they appear in the Bible. It's particularly unusual when they appear in what's probably the weirdest book in the Bible. Our text today is taken from the book of Revelation, John's apocalyptic book that he recorded while he was exiled on Patmos. Now, it's right at the very front end of the book. In Revelation, it basically starts off, uh, John encounters Jesus in a vision. And he doesn't encounter a humble-looking Jesus. This is Jesus in power. And the first thing that Jesus tells him to do is write some letters to seven churches that are scattered throughout what's modern-day Turkey. For most of those churches, he has some criticisms. He has very specific instructions. But for the church at Philadelphia that he's addressed this one to, he sees that they've been going through trouble, that they've been having hard times. And he offers them encouragement in these words, we find these words in the third chapter of the book of Revelation. We read verse 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. The church in Philadelphia that Paul's writing to is facing challenges, is facing difficulties. They're facing serious storms, and they're in danger. They're in danger of lo losing their victory. The word crown here is that laurel that gets put on uh, your head when you win something, right? This phrase that gets used, hold fast, it's a great translation there, because we still use it today to refer to those vital links 
that connect us when we are in danger, that connect us to something solid and secure that keeps us safe. One of the ways in which I'm familiar with it is if you're, uh, if you're familiar with really extreme mountain climbing, like uh, cliffside climbing, you can have climbs that actually will take a number of days uh, to, to scale entirely. And you actually end up having to secure a tent to the side of a cliff face. Now, I'm afraid of heights, so this sounds like uh, a good reason for me to remain Christian, because I'm pretty sure hell would be that for me. Uh, but you're dangling off the side of a cliff, and the thing that's securing you to the cliff face is called a holdfast. That holdfast is everything, because life on the side of a cliff stinks. You can be sitting there in this little cubby that you've got for yourself. You're probably cold and you're probably miserable. It's windy, it's loud, your tent is flapping. And there can be something that's called the Bronco Ride. This is where a big gale of wind slaps up against the side of the cliff and it needs to go somewhere and it can't go down because there's ground down there and so it goes up underneath your tent. It throws your tent up into the air and for one awful moment, you're weightless in the tent as you plummet back down. Life in the tent stinks, but it's safe as long as the holdfast stays secure, as long as you stay connected to the rock. We find ourselves in a very similar situation, and, and really our hymn today does a good job of illustrating it for us. The world is very evil. And when it says very evil, we tend to think about that in a very general uh, type of way. But whenever I see it, I tend to think of all the things, the chaos that earth can throw at us that shakes us this way and that. And frankly, in college, this might be the first time in which you're finding yourself really exposed for the first time to the jostles that the world has in store for you. The devil will try to get you by having life be good. That doesn't work. He'll snap it over to life being terrible. He'll try to get you with life being anxious. He'll snap it over to life being comfortable. All of these things, it can give you whiplash as our lives snap from one state to another. And we feel the sensation of dangling over an abyss as we're being blown about and wondering how serious our risk is of plummeting. Times of peace, times of fear, times of anger, times of peace and kindness, temptations and comforts. We are blown about. We are never at ease in this world. And all of this takes place as we dangle on a cliff over a pit. The only thing that keeps us from dropping is that hold fast. Life can be very unpleasant, but as long as the hold fast remains secure to the rock, we won't drop. Our text says that we are supposed to hold fast to something, right? Uh, you have to have your hold fast attached to something. Our text says, hold fast to what you have. 
Now, that's very cryptic, uh, and none of the verses are right around it are uh, particularly specific. Now, before you jump to the really easy, like, Sunday school answer, right, and you go, God, Jesus, right, you know, you're wrong, right, uh, but uh, don't jump to it uh, just yet. Think about what it is that you have. The text actually uses the, uh, uh, the word for the thing that we have as a singular. So it's referring to one thing that we have. I've only got one thing. Well, I go home and I've got all sorts of nice stuff there, but I don't really have any of it. I'm going to die. It's going to rot. It's going to break. None of that stuff is something that I actually have. There's only one thing that I've got that's going to last forever. Right? Anything in this world is just on loan. But what I have by faith is life. I have life in Christ. Our cliff wall, the security that we are attached to, is Christ's cross and his empty tomb. We were going to fall. There's nothing that's underneath us. But all the weight that was pulling us down got transferred onto Christ when he took our sins. He bore the brunt. He bore the punishment. He shed his blood, and now he stands secure. Our victory is wrapped up in Christ when we look at his empty tomb, and we know for certain our tomb is empty as well. We are looking to him as the thing that won't move. And our holdfast is the faith that God gives to us by the Holy Spirit. We know our safety is guaranteed when we cling to him with that faith that we've been given. Well, this leads me maybe to an awkward comparison with that word holdfast, because there is another object that has that, that word as its, uh, as its moniker, as its name, right? Uh, parasites when they are living off of a host, you know, sucking its blood or consuming whatever nutrients it's got, they attach themselves to that object with something, right? Sometimes that's like nasty little hooked teeth or awful like gripping little tentacles or something horrible and disgusting. Something that anchors them to the host. What do you suppose those things are called that anchor them to the host? They're holdfasts, yeah. Okay, well, if we're supposed to have a holdfast, is that what we are? The picture works alarmingly well. I mean, we don't do anything for Jesus as we cling on to him and drink his blood for forgiveness and rely on him for life. I don't want to say that were parasites dangling off the body of Christ. But we're totally parasites dangling off the body. No, no, it's not a good description, actually, right? Because there is a difference between some wretched worm hanging off the body of a host, living in its intestines or something, and your relationship with your God. Because think about a baby. A baby kind of does the same thing, right? It's a pretty rare day where a mother will look down at a baby that she's nursing and feel revulsion for the parasite that's sucking the lifeblood out of her, right? Objectively, it's not providing much for her. She's giving to it. It's alive. 
and needs her in order to be alive. But a mother would never call her baby a parasite, except maybe as a joke, right? Mother wouldn't call a baby a parasite. What's the difference? The difference is love. The mother loves the baby and wants to give to it. And it's a love that the baby hasn't done anything to earn. It's pure grace. What is it that prevents you from being a parasite hanging on Christ? It's God's love for you. He extended himself in great grace, in great love, and wants to provide, invites you to him to, provi- uh, to be provided for, equips you with the faith that you need in order to hold fast to the rock. We aren't the awful parasitic creatures that murdered his son, even though we kind of are that. We are adopted. We're made children. We're brothers and sons. Life shakes and jostles us. Life can be unpleasant. If good times don't work on us, then the devil will throw bad times at us. And then he'll throw good. And then he'll throw fear. And then he'll throw anxiety. And then he'll throw confidence, all to whip us out of our security. But our faith holds firm. The rock of ages does not move or shake or fall. And holding fast by faith to Jesus Christ, his payment by crucifixion, his victory By resurrection, we cling to the one thing that we truly have, life eternal in him. Hold fast. Amen.